Today, I want us to look at the question, why should we even think about being good anyway? About 12 years ago, when I was uh, 46, I made one of the most amazing journeys of my life with a friend when we rode our bicycles from Victoria Falls, Zambia, to Windhoek, Namibia. This was a ride of almost just under 900 miles, and we did it in seven days. Y'all, that's like riding from San Antonio here, either to Atlanta or Phoenix. Take your pick. Long trip. We'd leave each morning before sunup. We'd ride until noon. Then we would stop and eat and rest, then get back on our bicycles and right into our next checkpoint and usually arrive just before uh, it got dark. And on average, we rode about eight hours a day and unbelievably, I, I couldn't believe it when I wrote it down this week, on the last day of our journey, we did just over 200 miles to reach our final destination. Now, the rewards for that kind of an arduous journey were many. Uh, one of them was just our sense of accomplishment. Basically, none of our family and friends thought that we could do it, and we proved them wrong, and that's always a nice feeling. Another was, about, was the friendship that we developed. About the fourth day, Willem, the guy that I rode with, who was 10 years older than I was, 13 actually, Willem said to me on about the fourth day, he said, man, Witty, you have the body of a 30-year-old, but your face looks like you're 60. <laughs> and I couldn't argue with that. I mean, but only a friend can get away with saying something like that, right? Other rewards included things like the physical fitness we attained, the weight I lost. Now, I admit it was an extreme way to do it, but when we got to the end of that trip, I weighed as much as I had years before when I got out of graduate school. And then, of course, there were the sights that we saw. This is one of the elephants out of the Caprivi Strip in Botswana where we rode through. And y'all, I'm telling you, my arms can't reach the top of that elephant. Thank goodness we didn't ride right below him and he didn't, you know, do one of those things because if it had hit us, I think it could have killed us. They were huge. It was unbelievable. You know, any difficult challenge that you and I undertake always leads to a reward when we've accomplished our goal. When you set out to get a degree and you graduate and walk across the stage, you know how good that feels. Or when you set a weight loss goal and you persevere until you reach it, or maybe when your marriage is in trouble and you both decide that you're gonna work hard and you're gonna make your marriage work and you're gonna learn to love each other again, and you do. Or whenever you set a goal to pay off your credit card debt and you finally make that last payment, if you've ever reached a really challenging goal, you know how rewarding it can be. Well, in this series, Be Good, I'm calling us to do something very similar with regard to our spiritual lives. I'm inviting you to go on the journey of a lifetime. 
And this journey is based on the Apostle Peter's roadmap for living like Jesus. Now, we've been over this every week, but in case you haven't been here, the journey begins with faith. It's when you enter into a faith relationship with Jesus where you trust him for eternal life and you trust him to guide you through this life. And you'll notice that the destination goal is love because living a life of love is what it means to live like Jesus lived. And you'll notice that there are multiple checkpoints along the way. And the first is the checkpoint of goodness. And when Peter said, be good, he meant be a good, virtuous person. But over the last couple of weeks, we've noticed that this isn't always easy to do. We saw that goodness begins in the mind because what the mind dwells on, the body acts on. And we saw last week that the standards for being good may make you feel like trying to be good is as hard as riding 900 miles in seven days. But we also noted that these standards are not standards for getting into heaven. Heaven is the free gift of God given to anyone who puts their personal faith in Jesus and his death on the cross. Rather, these standards are how you and I become a fully devoted follower of Christ as we journey through this life together with Jesus. But it also raises a question. If heaven is a free gift, why struggle to go on this journey? Why ride 900 miles in seven days, spiritually speaking? Because there's a fact that we have all experienced when it comes to being good. And the fact is this. We all want to be good until we don't. Let's be honest. We all want to be good until it means that we have to tell the truth in some hard situations. We all want to be good until that guy or that gal at work begins to show you attention. We all want to be good until we find a way to cheat that we know is undetectable to anyone else. We all want to be good until our spouse says that thing again that ticks us off. We all want to be good until we realize it means that you can't waste four hours a day watching reality TV till it, you realize that you can't just consume all your money on yourself. Or you want to be good until you realize that it means you got to get up off the couch and actually play with your kids. We all want to be good until we don't. Being good isn't always easy. So what is the motive? for making some of these 200 mile a day walks on the journey through love? Well, to answer this question, I want us to go back to what the Apostle Peter wrote about the standard of goodness. This is what he said. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talking, or coarse joking which are out of place. Now, y'all, you realize that this is an incredibly high standard. 
When Paul said not even a hint, he meant that there should be no, there should be none, there should be zip, there should be zero sexual immorality or obscenity among any of us who claim to be followers of Jesus. And this is hard. Paul understood that. And so he immediately followed that statement by explaining what ought to motivate you and me to live up to this standard. This is what he said. For this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy, per, um, greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Paul said the motive for you and me being good is our inheritance in Christ's future kingdom. Now to inherit means to be an owner of all that is God's with the privileges that come with that and also with the responsibilities that come with it. Here at City Church, we believe that just as Jesus came to this earth the first time to die on the cross, he is going to come to earth a second time to establish his kingdom. And we believe that his kingdom on this earth is the culmination of human history. And in that kingdom, we who have struggled to journey with him through this life, Paul said we would be rewarded with an inheritance from God. But what does that actually mean? Well, to put it in human terms, all right, it's as if a father gives his son the house, the cars, the boat, the lake house, the ranch, the investment portfolio, and responsibility to be the CEO of the whole business. All of this has been passed on to his son as an inheritance. And those of us who are willing to struggle on the journey from faith to love, who are willing to do some 200-mile days to be good, we are the ones who will not just enter into the kingdom, but we will actually inherit it. We will be owners in it. And that's why Paul called you and me to take the long look forward. The long look forward to live with our inheritance in mind. But for many of us, this idea of inheriting a future kingdom seems so distant and so far removed from the challenges that we face today that to be honest, it doesn't really motivate us. Why is that? It obviously motivated Paul. He thought it would have motivated the Ephesian Christians. Why doesn't it motivate you and me? Well, I'll never forget a conversation that I had with a Maasai woman years ago when we lived uh, near the Tanzania border. Now, the Maasai were poor. And to get some cash, they were cutting down huge trees in the area where we lived in order to make charcoal. Unfortunately, this process is what is known as deforestation. And eventually, deforestation turns whole regions into deserts because when you cut down the trees, it cuts back on rainfall. So one day, I was speaking with a Maasai woman, and I just asked her, I said, 
I asked her, I said, do you realize that you're using up your children's future inheritance by cutting down these trees? And with no expression on her face, she said, and I quote, we can die today or we can die tomorrow. You know, I have a feeling that some of you feel just like that woman. You're struggling so hard to survive today that you can't think about tomorrow. You are carrying heavy burdens. You want to go on the journey with Jesus. You want to be good. You would love to inherit his kingdom. But to be honest, you're struggling so much in this moment. You are so overwhelmed in your life right now that you can't possibly think about anything else. It's why you want to be good until you don't. It's why you can't take the long look forward that Paul asked us to take. So where do those burdens come from that you and I are carrying? And what can we do about them? Well, I think Paul actually gave us a hint. And so let's look more closely at what he said. He said, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man or such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Paul said that idolatry is an indicator of our struggle to survive. Idolatry in our lives is an indicator of the burdens that we are trying to shed. Idolatry by definition is when you and I worship a created thing instead of the creator. Now, idols can be anything that God has made, but the most common ones for us today are things like the stuff that we buy, the games that we play, maybe a person that you think you can't possibly live without, a status that we want to attain, the drive to always win, the money that we accumulate, or maybe it's a particular lifestyle that you want to live. Idols are things we worship, and get this, we worship them because we believe they can help us survive the weight of our burdens or even remove them. We end up putting our faith in those idols to make our lives good. Y'all, I want to ask you, why would anyone who has believed in Jesus for eternal life, why would anyone who can believe in him to guide them through this life, why would anyone believe in something else? That makes no sense. But there's a reason we all do it, and it explains why we all want to be good until we don't. Let me explain it to you. For every one of us, there was a point in our personal story where you or I experienced pain for the first time. When this event happened to you, you knew it wasn't right. You knew that that is not how life was supposed to be. In my case, for me, it happened when I was six years old. 
There were about a dozen junior high boys who picked on me in a kiddie pool in the park across the street from our house. They essentially waterboarded me. They hit me. They held me underwater. It scared me to death. And it was the first time I ever experienced fear. And I knew this isn't how life is supposed to be. Now, when you and I experienced this pain, none of us liked it. You probably know when your first time was. And so what we do is we went on a journey to try to alleviate the pain. And these journeys took you and me to some bad places. Some of our journeys took us to things like drugs or alcohol or multiple sexual relationships or maybe you went on a journey looking for power and you were going to get that power through education or through physical strength or beauty or through making a bunch of money or maybe you decided no one's going to dominate me. I will dominate everyone around me. And these things became our idols because we believed that if we could attain them, it would remove the pain. It would remove the burden that we carry every single day. But y'all, this explains why all of us want to be good until we don't. We want our pain relieved more than we want to be good. We want our needs met. We want our hurts healed. We want our fears consoled. We want our idols more than we want God. It's why Paul said it's possible for you and me to be an idolater. And when we are, it stops our progress on the journey to follow Jesus. Let me illustrate it this way. Maybe you did this when you were growing up. When our kids were young, we used to play this game where I would chase them around the backyard with my deep boogeyman voice. Right? You ever play that game? And I'd run behind him and I'd say, I'm going to get you. Now, my kids knew I wasn't a boogeyman. They knew I wasn't going to get them. My kids knew I wasn't going to hurt them. But as they giggled and squealed and as they ran, you know what they always did? They always looked back just in case. Some of you Keep looking over your shoulder at the pain in your past just in case the boogeyman is coming to get you. And that is why you want to be good until you don't. If you want to journey with Jesus, this has to stop. Because you'll never look forward if you keep looking back. You've got to let God deal with the boogeyman. You've got to let God heal the pain of your past. And that is what I'm asking you to do today. So how do we do that? Well, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, my pain was fear and it started at a kiddie pool when I was six years old. I didn't know that what those boys did to me that day would affect me for the rest of my life. I didn't know that it seeded fear into my life. I mean, what boy wants to go around saying, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, hey, look at me, I'm afraid. Boys don't do that, right? 
Boys do just the opposite of that. What do we do? I ain't afraid of nothing, right? And so we set about to prove to everyone that we aren't afraid. Boys go around acting tough. They go around acting confident. They go around trying to prove themselves. Grown men do the same thing. Grown women do the same thing. We pose and we pretend. And that's what I did. I made myself into an all-state basketball player. I was a cedar chopper in high school. Probably none of you know what that is, but trust me, it's hard work. I went overseas as a missionary. I worked in the slums in Nairobi and in war-torn southern Sudan. When I lived among the Karamajong, I, were, I walked 2,000 miles with the Karamajong in one ministry year to take the gospel to them. I rode 900 miles in seven days. I wasn't afraid of anything. Or so I thought. I was 52 years old before I figured out that fear had dominated me for 46 years and that I had been looking over my shoulder for the boogeyman my whole life. Listen, some of you are older than me and you don't have time to waste. Some of you are younger than me and you have your whole life in front of you, but none of us can live it as we should if we keep looking over our shoulder for the boogeyman. You'll never look forward if you keep looking back. And so today, I want you to let God begin to deal with the boogeyman. I want you to let him deal with the pain of your past. And so here's what I'm asking you to do today. Right now, I wanna ask all of us, just to close your eyes. And I want you to recall that event that started your pain. You know what it is. Maybe it was when your parents divorced or maybe it was when your dad told you that you would never amount to anything. Maybe it was when she broke your heart or when a trusted relative took advantage of you or when your mom tried to force you to be something you didn't want to be, or when a Christ follower who should have loved you treated you like dirt. Whatever your event was that began the pain, let the picture of that event come into your mind. I have a hunch you know it pretty well. You've been looking over your shoulder for years, hoping it doesn't happen again. But now I want you to make an addition to the picture in your mind. We know that God is everywhere, but if God had physically been there in that moment with you, what would he have done and what would he have said? I want you to add that to the picture in your mind. In my case, when I was being hit and held underwater by those junior high boys, I know exactly what God would have done. It's as if he would have come out of heaven and touched down in the middle of that kiddie pool 
and he would have scooped me up with his right arm and held me behind his back and he would have put his strong hand at those boys and looked them in the eye and said, you boys get on out of here. Leave John alone. Otherwise, I'm going to have to do some damage to you. No boogeyman can touch you if God is with you. And if you have believed in Jesus as your savior, according to the scriptures, you have been born a child of God. He is your father. He loves you. He is the creator of the universe. He is the most powerful being in the universe. And if he comes to your aid, the boogeyman has to go. And there will be no reason for you to keep looking over your shoulder to see if the boogeyman is coming again. And so I want you to join me right now in prayer. And I want us to let God begin to heal the pain and the burdens that we have been carrying around our whole lives that keep us from going on the journey and stopping in at the checkpoint of being good. And so Heavenly Father, you know us well. Lord, I pray for those who are here today that maybe they're struggling a little bit to even put the event together, but there's been something in their lives. Lord, for most of us, I think we probably know that first time when we knew things weren't right. And Lord, we've been looking over our shoulders our whole lives. Lord, I wanna ask that you today, as our heavenly Father, that you would touch down in our lives and that we would know and experience you right now. And Lord, that we would sense what you would have done and what you would have said because God, the same God who in my case would have acted 50 years ago, now you're still with me and you're still acting on my behalf. And Lord, you still have me protected behind you. And I can face any situation because I'm there with you and because you're there with me. And Lord, I pray that for each one of us. Lord, I pray that our faith in you today would exceed our fear of whatever caused the pain in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would heal our pain today so that our real desire to be good, our real desire to follow you on the journey, our real desire to look forward and to inherit your kingdom when you come again, Lord, I pray that that would become a reality in our lives as we take the long look forward instead of looking back over our shoulder all the time. Lord, free us from the boogeyman. And we pray this together in the strong name of Jesus. And everyone said together, amen.